Welcome back to the Literary Lounge. I'm Emily. And I'm Paige. And today we are back on a Wednesday to talk about the book The Push by Ashley Audrain. And the cocktail we've come up with for today is called Naughty Mom Fuel. So no judgments, but it's coffee with some vodka in it. It's got also a little bit of Bailey's and some caramel syrup. Um, it's really good. Just what a, you need as a mom to take the edge off yeah, after a long sure. day. So that's our drink. Um, before we get into this book, we actually wanted to try something a little bit different today. Just for you guys to get to know us a little bit better Um Often we've just been kind of jumping right into the books. And so we figured we'd start every episode with a question of the week. So today's question page is, (laughs) what is your Starbucks order? Kind of on theme with like our coffee cocktail today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of change it up. So right now I'm really stuck on the brown sugar oat milk shaken espresso. That's so good. I so love good. that. Has to be light ice so you get a little more in there. Yeah. You cheat the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm kind of like all over the place. So summer, I usually get – actually, I'd probably get this one in the summer. Winter, my favorite drink from Starbucks is the chestnut praline latte, and I literally will mm-hmm. get that all winter. Um, And then eggnog lattes from Caribou, which is because Starbucks doesn't have eggnog oh, anymore okay. during the winter. Um. But yeah, right now I'm on the brown sugar, oat milk, shaking espresso. What's your Starbucks order? I usually get a cold brew and then I'll just either get like a splash of like hazelnut syrup if I just want something like really basic. Like Mm -hmm. it has to have like a little bit of flavor in it, but usually I don't do any kind of milk. But sometimes if I am feeling like kind of something a little bit sweeter, I'll do like oat milk instead of hazelnut. Yeah. But it's super basic just because... For some reason, I'm not really into lattes. Really? They're just like way too sugary for me and way too like milky. So whenever I get lattes, I always get a little ex- or a little less of the syrup. Okay. So yeah. you kind of like tell them to alter the recipe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, because they can be really sweet. I watched this video on Instagram the other day. This guy, he like talks about like healthy foods and drinks and then he'll like show you how much sugar is in certain things. And he did like mm-hmm. a Starbucks thing and he showed you like how much sugar they put in a latte and it was like that's a lot it looked like a literally a quarter of a cup of just straight sugar yuck yeah so I was like oh that explains why it's so sweet though yeah yeah I yeah I always get like less syrup yeah I think it's just because like I have such a touchy stomach in the morning that like coffee is already being risky like with on an empty stomach but then when I add like dairy to it or sugar Mm. like I'm a goner yeah, not good. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. TMI, but. All right, well, should we dive in? Yeah, let's get started. So the push by Ashley Audrain starts out with the narrator, Blythe. She's sitting in her car and she's watching this family through the window it's like christmas time so she's watching them like gathered around a fire christmas tree i don't know if they're maybe opening gifts or something but she's narrating it in second person point of view and we learn from this narration that she's watching her like ex-husband through the window with his like new family Mm -hmm. but we don't know a lot about them like this early on we just know that she's not with him anymore and he has like moved on And she says something along the lines of, like, 
our daughter looks just like you. So then we also learn like the little girl in the image is like her daughter and she's spying on them and she has like, um, I don't know if it's like a letter or like a transcript of some sort, but she's like, I've come to tell like my side of the story. So she's there. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, okay, something like big happened between these these two. Yeah. Yeah. I actually liked um, the beginning of the book where like you're trying to piece all this information together because I know she like goes back in time a little bit to like tell their story. Mm-hmm. But I liked trying to like piece together what she was talking about in that first chapter. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Because you're always like remembering back to that. You're like, because then it starts to dive into like how they met and then like their their life together and you're like, well, I know this is going to end. Yeah. Yeah. So after that scene, the book is still told from Blythe's perspective as if she's talking to her husband, Fox. So she, again, talks about how they met in college and how everything was really going well when they dated And um, she tells us that she was an aspiring writer and he is an architect um, and she's kind of had like family issues growing up and she found his family is like super welcoming and he has like a good relationship with his family. So she was really inspired by that and she kind of liked having that family, those family dynamics being invited into her life Mm -hmm. through him. Yeah, he kind of has the exact opposite of what we quickly learn she had growing up. Mm -hmm. Like he had supportive parents that were very present. Um, They're super excited about her like in Fox's life. And so she's just getting everything that she wanted wanted in life. Yeah. Yeah, Like having this like family Mm -hmm. dynamic. Um, So then they get married. I think it was just really with his family. Like I don't think she really had anybody there. Like – she doesn't really have anyone yeah. to invite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, like, right away wanted to start having kids. And she, like, we'll, we'll dive into this next, but she has, like, kind of a, a long line of bad moms in her, like, ancestry, basically. And so she's, like, a little bit hesitant about it. But I think, like, because she's so in love with him, she's just, like, if this is what you want, like, I will gladly, like, be a mom. And I think she's, like, open to the idea, too. Like, it wasn't something she was ever a hard no on, but it she's definitely, like, going into it, like, a little bit skeptical. Like, how am I going to do, like, with this role? Yeah, her concerns are valid, too. I mean, she knows about her grandmother and how her grandmother treated her mom and then how her mom treated her. Mm -hmm. She has valid concerns that she's scared she's going to, like, mess up and – yeah. yeah, we should talk about those because, like, throughout the book, she weaves in, like, these flashbacks of, like, her grandma and then, like, her mom and how her mom was to her. And so maybe we just cover that right now, like, in full, basically, yeah. like, what happened. Yeah, so um, her grandmother's name is Etta. So she falls in love with an aspiring doctor when she's young, and he – obviously, he wants to be a doctor, but her, her dad – doesn't want her to marry like I feel like that's successful like he wants them to work on the farm yeah he wants them Mm -hmm. to like take it over yeah and so he agrees that he'll 
take over the family's farm, but then he ends up being killed in a farm accident, mm-hmm. which like sends Etta into like a depression. Yeah. Um, but she finds out that she's like pregnant with his baby. And when she's super depressed, which she just kind of doesn't really treat her new baby, Cecilia, very well. Um, she ends up remarrying and then she continues to deal with like a lot of trauma and abuse. She abuses her daughter a lot. Um, like one example, she like attempts to drown her in the bathtub. Yeah, she like held her head down. Like I think she was, was playing it off like she's going to rinse her hair out, but then she was like down there for yeah. kind of a long time. Did it say how old Cecilia was when Etta did that? No, but I'm thinking she's probably pretty young. Yeah. like if your mom's giving you a bath, like you're probably four mm-hmm. around there, give or take a couple years. Yeah. Um, another incident is she like locks her in the cellar and like Cecilia's had like a thing with cellars ever since. Like she's like traumatized by them. Yeah. And that was like premeditated because she took like one of Cecilia's, I think dolls or like stuffed animals and puts it in the cellar mm-hmm. and like sends her in there like, oh, your toy's in there and then like locks her in there for a couple hours. Yeah. She's super That's- terrifying yeah i'm like super scared of basements like at this age i cannot imagine as like well i mean i was scared of basements as a child too thank god there was never one in my house but yeah like terrifying i would be absolutely terrified i've seen way too many scary movies with like yeah i would be freaking out now yeah as a 28 year old locked in a cellar i'd be like crying and screaming and like yeah i would absolutely traumatized panic attacks yeah yeah um so we find out at a eventually hangs herself mm-hmm. yeah she's like super unhappy mm-hmm. and she's got a lot of issues yeah this entire time i think she's on medication of some sort i don't know if the author really gets into that too much but yeah um, i can't remember obviously they weren't weren't helping mm-hmm. um yeah so then meanwhile this is kind of carried on then for cecilia so she's blythe's mom um and just with like her history with her mom she never wanted to be a mother and we we learn this like throughout the book like she didn't want Blythe um she like she ex- escaped her life like with her stepdad and her mom had like obviously hung herself like when she was pretty young so she like moves to the city and like wants to start fresh and then ends up like getting pregnant with this baby Blythe who she ends up having um but she isn't very present for Blythe and she just treats her like really bad. She has kind of like mood swings too. Like one minute she's kind of like showing some effort and the next she's like, like she'll hit her. Like she slaps her one time when she's like angry with her about something. And um, then there's like this other time where Blythe has like a, I don't know if it's like teacher parent conferences or, or it's like parents day and her mom like shows up to it, but then is like, I don't know if she's, like, embarrassed during it or something, but she ends up, like, going home and, like, giving her the cold shoulder. Um, I think that one, that incident was because she was forced to go there by her dad. Oh. Yeah. So, Cecilia was forced to go to this um, parent. It was, like, a Valentine's – or, no, it was Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. It was, like, Mother's yeah, Day right. event. Yeah. Um, and I think she just kind of – she was trying to – make him happy by going there but like I just she doesn't want anything to do with Blythe yeah and once like Blythe started getting like all gushy towards her like she kind of just left yeah yeah yep and then kind of around the same time too like Blythe finds like 
a bloody mess in the toilet at their house and her dad like tells her like oh your mom had a procedure and there's like kind of things happening like this man calling the house and like other hints of like infidelity so then we learn that like Cecilia's cheating on Blythe's dad with this other man mm-hmm. and she's very unhappy just with like her life situation in general and ends up like leaving the both of them for this new guy yeah so yeah Blythe's had it pretty rough too um I think around the age of 12 her mom reaches out to her kind of one last time or rather reaches out to Blythe's dad when it's just the two of them and says oh I want to see Blythe like she can come over to my house and yeah. so Blythe goes over there and like meets Richard I think is like the the new boyfriend or husband of Cecilia and they don't really like have any bonding moments so there's nothing really good that comes out of it and then when Blythe's like leaving then Cecilia kind of like she's dressed like really nice and she has like this new nice house and is kind of like trying to flaunt it in front of like Blythe's dad when Mm -hmm. he comes to pick her up and so it wasn't really like an olive branch in any way to Blythe like it was more just like I hope you tell your dad when you get home about like how nice my house is and like how much better off I am like yeah there was also a part during that scene when um something happened if his name was Richard I cannot remember his name Um, yeah okay I think he again like tried to convince Cecilia to have a relationship with her daughter because I think he said something like or she said something to him like, see, I didn't want to do this or I don't know. Oh, but it was like okay. something along those lines. Like she's just – people are trying to like force her to have this like relationship with her. and Yeah. Which is so bad for Blythe. Like either you, you're in it or you're not, you know. Yeah. Like that's even more traumatizing to like step in and step out all the time than to just step out and like let yeah. her get on with her life. She never even really bothered to try to be a mom. Like – no. She just, she just didn't want it. And it's she everyone wasn't else. Pretend. Yeah, it's everyone else around her that wanted her to do that. Yeah. So, like, which is kind of like another hidden meaning, like, with the title, too. Like, the push, like, the push to everyone's pushing you to be this mother when you can't, no. like, yeah. force that bond. Like, if you don't have that bond and you don't even want to try, like, yeah. Of course it. Well, there's that part, too, like, Um, Blythe has that flashback where she's talking about how when she was younger, her mom was like brushing her hair or something. And she's like, mom, I want to be a mommy one day. And Cecilia was like, you don't have to be a mom, you know, Mm -hmm. which I think is, um, a valid thing to tell your child, but coming from her, it sounds horrible. Right. Cause like, we know that she never wanted to be a mom, but I think it's okay to like communicate to your children that like, not everybody has kids. Yeah. That's okay. I think it's horrible in our sense because, like, we know so much about Cecilia and her past yeah. that, like, we know she's, like, not being a great mom to Blythe. But, like, telling your kid that, I'd, I wouldn't see that as, like, being bad or, like, maybe – I mean, Blythe could have put two and two together, like, that – Yeah. That hidden meaning that she didn't want to be a mom. But I think there's, like, this, like, social conditioning of, like, what – in society of like what it is to be a mother and like what's expected of you to be a mother and I think that her telling Blythe like you know you don't have to be a mom is like breaking that and I think that's like good because you don't have to and like we feel I feel like as women like we're just yeah we're conditioned like okay you have to be a mom you have to be you're gonna you have to form this bond with your child Mm -hmm. like you're kind of like being pushed into that when it could be something that you don't want you know right yeah 
I guess the one good thing in Blythe's childhood is that she has the Ellingtons yeah. in the neighborhood. So they're a family of four. It's a, a mom. Mrs. Ellington is really the one that takes Blythe under her wing. But then they have – there's the husband and the two sons. So Blythe goes over there like fairly frequently, I maybe once a week to have dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of like take her in as and like treat her like a child even though she doesn't live there and she's not there every day. Like she's still like being treated the same as like they treat their sons. And she yeah. gets a little taste and a window into like what a healthy family looks like. Exactly. And so like thank God she had Mrs. Ellington like looking out for her because – it was kind of a saving grace in some way. Like, do you think that she would have turned out a little bit differently, like, had Mrs. Ellington not, like, stepped in? I think yes, because, like, look, I mean, we don't know the whole situation with Ada and Cecilia, but I'm assuming that Ada didn't have – or, well, no. We don't know how Ada's mother was. I'm assuming that Cecilia didn't have that other mother figure in her life mm-hmm. like Blythe did with Mrs. Ellington. So I think that's, like, why Cecilia turned out the way she is. But then, like, Blythe, she, like, has a different mindset, in a sense, going into motherhood. And, like, she wants to try to be, like, the best she can. Mm -hmm. And obviously we find out, like, that doesn't work with her first child. But it's because she had that mother figure in her life with Mrs. Ellington. I feel like she was able to, like, have a different mindset going into motherhood with it. Yeah, she had, like, one good role model. Yeah. So just kind of looking back on everything we just discussed between, like, the mom and the grandma, um, do you, like, what do you think is going through, like, Blythe's head as far as, like, her concerns and stuff over, like, motherhood just based on, like, the past? So I think because her – Blythe as a child – she, like, wanted to develop this bond with her mom, but her mom, like, wasn't giving that to her. Like, her mom had wanted nothing to do with her. So I think Blythe's concern is that, like, she's going to feel like her mother did, where, like, she's not going to feel this bond at all. She's not going to want to have anything to do with her child. And then she's going to probably know because she went through this that her child's going to be, like, trying to form this bond with her. And then I think, like, that's her concern with it. And, like, I mean, she did go through abuse as a child, too. So maybe she's, like, concerned that something's going to flip in her and she's going to accidentally, like, do something, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, she's worried she will also be a bad mom, just, like, that history's going to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. I think she goes into it, like, hoping that's not the case, though. Yeah, for sure. That's, That's like, a start, at least. You know, like, she wants to end this vicious cycle of bad moms. Exactly. And that's, like, what I meant earlier, too. Like, when I said, like, she goes in, like, with a different mindset, like... Yeah, she still has that concern, but she, like, wants it to change. So getting back to the main story, then Blythe gets pregnant with her daughter, Violet. um, And during the the delivery, she actually has, like, a pretty tough time. And, like, she has this moment where, like, she's in so much pain and suffering that she, like, hopes her or the baby, like, is going to die. Like, she just wants it to be over, Mm -hmm. which is kind of, like... Oh, God. Like, I feel like that's pretty common, though. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I was wondering about when I was reading this is like, I think I want to reread this book for a third time. This is the second time I've read this book, but I'm going to read it again once I have kids because I have so many questions for moms. Like, is that normal? And then once Violet's born, like, they don't bond right away, which we think is like probably postpartum. Would you agree that's like what's happening here? 
Yeah. And also, like, there's, I think, a lot of, like, misinformation. I think it's a beautiful thing that many mothers can, like, have an instant bond with their baby, but that's not always the case, and that Mm -hmm. didn't happen with Blythe. I just think there's – it's kind of, like, expected of mothers, like, right when their baby's born to, like, instantly have a bond. And, like, like I said, that's just, like, not always the case. Yeah. You have to – some some have to, like, create that bond and, like – Yeah. Totally. I think, like, there's just kind of this, like, like you said, expectation of new moms, but Mm -hmm. I don't think postpartum is, like, talked about enough and how, like, kind of common it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Postpartum depression is very common, and I definitely think that Blythe has it, Mm -hmm. and I don't think she realizes it. Yeah. And I think the instant that you start to have any feelings of being, like, unhappy, like, because usually, like, usually I'm not saying this is expected but usually Mm -hmm. like you would think that you would be super happy that your baby's like finally here into the world if you have any like signs of any unhappiness and like any thoughts that you're like wishing maybe like this didn't happen go get help because like that's that's a big sign of postpartum depression and that puts your baby and yourself and everyone around you in danger so yeah definitely yeah, she really struggles with like new mom life and she she gives up her career to be a stay-at-home mom. Like that's what Fox wants of her. Like it's obvious that his like whole plan when they got married is like to create this um baby trap her. <laughs> yeah, it's like his ideal image of what a family looks like, which is the husband, him going to work full-time, supporting the family and having like a stay-at-home mom which that's fine. There's a lot of families that that's what makes sense. I think he kind of pushed her into it maybe without really talking to her about it. And she kind of just went along with it because she was like, I love him so much. And like, maybe this would be a good thing. Like, I don't think she really had too many issues with it from the start. But like when she's in the moment now as like a new mom, like she's exhausted. She's upset. Like, which again, these are all like normal things that new moms go through. Like, the over like just being so tired all the time like um she has like this one moment in like a coffee shop with another mom where they both like have young babies and they kind of look at each other like I know exactly how you're feeling right now yeah and she actually like drops the pacifier like that she was going to give to Violet like on the ground of this like coffee shop and she doesn't wipe it off and she like puts it in Violet's mouth and the other mom like sees her do it and it's just like I'm not judging you at all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. But yeah, um, yeah they. I, I think it, that moment in the book is kind of trying to show that like she's going through some very normal feelings, even though she maybe feels really isolated. Yeah, definitely. And another like going back a little bit to like what you said about like how Fox is like wanting her to do this. And in a previous podcast, I mentioned about how like um, friends of mine and my husband's, they, the father of the children forces the mom to stay home. She like wants to go back to work, but he doesn't want her to. Like, I think that's, it's like a 1950s housewife. Like yeah. the world isn't like that anymore. And like, I think it should be agreed upon. Like, if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, all for it. Like, go ahead. Like, there's no judgment. I think a stay-at-home mom is literally a full-time job. And if you're 
also not a stay-at-home mom. Like mothering is literally a full-time job. Breastfeeding alone is a full-time job. It's actually longer than a full-time. Like it's more than 40 hours a week. So I am fully supportive, like whatever you want to do. But I just hate how there's like still in this modern day, like there's this expectation that some – by some people that you should stay at home as a mother. Yeah, and that the mother is like the primary – caregiver to these young children I love that there's like stay-at-home dads now yeah yeah I think that's really cute and again like there's no judgment if you're stay-at-home mom I would probably like to be a stay-at-home mom but I also am a business owner so I can't really do that I mean I kind of can but kind of can't but like yeah this expectation is just terrible like if your partner is like forcing you to stay home I think you should like have a conversation because that's not that should not be like normal you should have your own you should make your own decision about that. That's not healthy. Right. That needs to be talked about for sure. Everybody involved needs to be up for that mm-hmm. um, dynamic. But um, yeah, Fox just pisses me off so much because like he is so critical of her and like her new mothering like role. Like there's that one time where she's I think she like puts her headphones in and is like kind of writing or like doing something that was like part of her old job for like over two hours and Violet's just like screaming from her crib this whole time and he gets home and like finds her. Okay so that I have some I think she was in the wrong for that because I think she heard um yeah she, the ba- Violet yeah. crying and then she put her headphones in and yeah. the fact that she was still crying after I think that that can be like a sense of trauma for the child. Yeah, that's and, like an item that I was kind of back and forth on where I was like, I know that like parents will kind of let their babies cry for a little bit and then they'll go get them. But yes. it's like, that seems like a really long time. Two to let hours it go is a long time. Especially when she's little, like maybe she needs to be fed. Maybe she needs to be changed. Like there's and, needs there. Okay. So yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's different that if you know your baby just ate, just changed. They're probably crying because they're being fussy. Yeah. I think it's okay to let them cry, not for two hours, probably it's not like even an two hours and not even an minutes. hour. I would probably let the baby cry maybe 15 minutes. If they're still crying, then go get them, see what's wrong. But or at least check on them. Like you don't know why that baby's crying. She could like have her blanket over her head. You don't know. Like yeah. she could be struggling. But like babies need to be nurtured mm-hmm. and they need that closeness to develop like that bond. And at this point, like I was really pissed at Blythe because like, she's not even trying at that point. Like, yeah, that was kind of a crappy moment on her part. And like, he freaks out at her for it, which I can understand how he's upset. Um, There's obviously like just some real issues going on between the two of them though. Like their communications. off. Yeah. He's, he just doesn't like understand like her position at all. And it's stupid, too, because she's a writer. Like, you can do that at home. Like, you can do that, like, when the baby's sleeping. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like she's, like, going to work, like, in, like, an office or anything. Yeah. Like, why are you not letting her, like, even write? Like, she can do that at home yeah. and still be stay-at-home mom. Right. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. So, I guess with all this, like, that's going on as she's transitioned to motherhood, like, do you think the things that she's going through or doing is normal? For new moms? I mean, we don't know, right? We've never been – we don't have children. We've never been moms before. Like, is there anything that seems normal to you or things that you're like, that probably wasn't very good? 
yeah, from an outside perspective, I don't think that was very good. Um, the like leaving her to scream for yeah. two hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think back. Like, what other inst- incidences did incidents? <laughs> I mean, did there's like have? the coffee shop thing, and then oh, how- I think that's normal. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would hope I would wipe it off, but yeah. like, if you're tired, like. You, do, you never know. Build I think immunity. That's pretty, that's you pretty, know, you yeah. Build, <laughs> yeah, expose your normal. child to the elements. But then also, how old was Violet at that time? Was she like a, a newborn though or was she like a year old, you know? Yeah, I, I think remember. that's different because like their immune systems are like nothing when they're newborns. Yeah. So I think that's different. Yeah. But if she's like a little older, at least her immune system is like developed a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to like think back of like the other inc- incidents that happened. I think just like to summarize everything is like aside from the screaming incident and like, you know, that was not very good. And I think there's probably other instances of that too where she kind of neglects her, I yeah. which kind of makes me uncomfortable to read about. But I think like the part where she's so exhausted and she feels like she's lost her identity a little bit, like those are all – those seem to be normal things for new moms at least like – Exactly. I wouldn't know, and but I, I think it aligns with postpartum too. Yeah. Um. And another thing too is like, if you are f- like frustrated, and you don't like it, like she's dealing with postpartum. Like, if you are like super frustrated, I think it's safer for the baby to let them cry for a bit. Again, not for two hours, but like, shaken baby syndrome is like a serious, serious thing, and when. I think it's okay to like let the baby cry if you're like feeling just like too many emotions because shaken baby syndrome can be deadly. Yeah. And I think it aligns with the feelings that she was like having. And so I think it was like good to let her cry for a little bit, just not for two hours. Yeah. I think too, like, because she kind of seems on her own with this thing, like her husband's at work all day. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have her own mother to turn to. She has her um, mother-in-law who kind of helps out like she hired them that like night nurse for a while yeah um just to help like get her some sleep I think her heart was in the right place when she did that she didn't consult Fox and Blythe about it though like she just like hired the night nurse without like saying anything mm-hmm. um but for the most part it just kind of seems like Blythe is she doesn't have any friends or family to really like talk to about things so exactly. and with with her insecurities that she's already having like from her own childhood like I think she's really getting in her head about everything and is maybe mm-hmm. like telling herself like I'm not cut out for this like I you know what I mean yeah there's just a lot going on here yeah definitely. um yeah so kind of moving on from that um as Violet gets a little bit older like into her tiled toddler years um she starts to show like instances of violence like the first one being Blythe's at the house with her mother-in-law and she's giving Violet a bath and Violet's being like super fussy and Violet actually bites Blythe like on the face when she's trying to like wash her or dry her off or something and her mother-in-law like witnesses the whole thing and is like oh my god like but she tells her like oh it's normal like She's just, you know, acting up. She's having a temper tantrum. Like, I think it's good to preface, too, that Violet doesn't act this way towards Fox ever, only towards Blythe. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, another evening, Violet tells Blythe that she's going to hurt Noah, which is a kid at school. This is when she's a little bit older. 
And the next day she finds like hair in Violet's pocket. And when she, when she went to go pick her up at school, she noticed like Noah was crying to his mom and the hair was like the same color as his hair. Yeah. And he was like, he had gotten his head shaved or something. Yeah. Like, cause then she puts two like and two together. Like chunk. he had like a big chunk of hair missing. His mom probably like shaved his head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the third thing, which is pretty serious, but Blythe like, is at the playground with Violet one day and she like swears that she saw Violet like trip this kid on like the playground set and he fell and like died. Yeah. And it was like this whole thing like the ambulance came, people were being questioned on like what they saw happen and she was kind of like not exactly sure what she saw. So she, I think she like told the police or whatever, like, oh, he just fell. Like I didn't really see what happened and Exactly. And that's like kind of the first big thing where we're like, holy shit, like mm-hmm. this kid, there's something going on here. Yeah. And she like showed no remorse or like anything during yeah. that time. I know. It it's weird. crazy. Um, At first I kind of like was thinking like, yeah, because like we're getting Blythe's perspective and I'm like, is she like going a little crazy? Like did is she like wanting to find like faults? Yeah. And Violet. So... Yeah, like I was like, did she actually see that or is she just like yeah, looking for reasons to not develop this bond with Violet or like why right. this bond isn't developing, yeah. you know? Yeah, I know. That was um, definitely a makes you think kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So with all this happening, like Fox is just really not like seeing what Blythe is seeing because like like you said, he's bonding with Violet. Like when yeah. he comes through the door at the end of his work day, like she's like so happy to see him, wants to snuggle with him, whereas like with Blythe, like Violet just doesn't want anything to do with her. So yeah. how did you feel about Fox at this point and like how he treats Blythe? Um, he's a manipulative gaslighter. Yeah, that's <laughs> like- exactly <laughs> the way that I would describe him. Yeah. Um, and we find out something later on in the book too, which I guess I could just mention, but like one time, like when Violet was young, Blythe's like clothes all went missing. And like Mm -hmm. later on, like Fox brings up that he found Violet like in the closet cutting up all her clothes. So like he knew that she was like off, but like, and he knew this like when she was younger, but he still like gaslit, um, Blythe this whole time. Yeah. Which is so messed up. And when he was, like, telling her about that at the end of the book, he was, like, laughing. Yeah. And and she – at this, like, back in time when this was happening, like, she was telling Fox, like, something's really off with Violet. Like, she's violent. She's, like, angry. And and he was, like you said, gaslighting her. Mm-hmm. And then for him to, like, go into the closet and find that Violet's cut up all of Blythe's clothes, like, I would hope, like, that my husband in that situation would be furious. Yeah, exactly. And, like, we'll talk about the end of the book later on, um, mm-hmm. but she, like, developed this connection with Fox's new wife, kind yeah. of, and um, we hear from Fox's wife, Gemma, was it, um, at the end of the book, and I think when we get to that, I'll bring it up more, but, like, I want to know Fox's perspective Yeah. during that. Like, does he catch on to Violet? Yeah. You know? But. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like Fox. Yeah, me neither. He just is not supportive at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just blames her for everything. Exactly. Like, even if even if she is an unreliable main character where, like, he's seeing things that she's maybe not telling us in her narrative, like, 
it's just like he's not looking out for her at all. He's not communicating. He's exactly. not trying to like bring them all together. Like if her and Violet are having like relationship issues, like he needs to like step in and help them figure it out. I don't know what that would be. Therapy probably for Blythe, yeah. but like holy cow, he just like he sucks. But we don't know like if Blythe is unreliable yet. And like I just think Fox is just delusional too. Like he just I don't know. I don't understand him. So like moving on, Blythe and Fox have a second child, Sam. And Blythe has like the complete opposite relationship with this child. Like she has an immediate bond with yeah. Sam. And they, like, she's, like, obsessed with him, like, mm-hmm. during his, like, toddler year or infant years. Like, she is obsessed. Like, she cannot get enough of him. Like, she thinks about him constantly all through the day. Um, and Violet's just kind of, like, there and a little yeah. shit sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of watching the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of interesting because Blythe wanted the second child way more than Fox did. Yeah. And so I think maybe why that would be is because, like, around the time that Sam was born, like, we see a little bit of a hint of, like, that he's seeing somebody else Mm -hmm. where, like, he takes Violet to work one day with him. I'm not sure why I think, like, Blythe needed to do something with Sam or whatever and needed to get, like, Violet out of the house. And they – so Fox and Violet go to lunch with, like, Fox's new receptionist. And, like, she buys Violet, like, this pencil and, like, unicorn eraser that Violet, like, loves and, like, cherishes. She, like, never uses it because it, like, means something to her. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, when we're reading this, I don't know about you, but I was, like, he's, like, he's cheating on her. He's going to. Like, he likes this woman. Yeah. And, but Blythe's pretty, like, trusting. Like, Mm -hmm. she's, like, oh, I didn't know you got a new receptionist, but, like, doesn't really go any further than that. Like, isn't too worried about it. Just kind of, like, wanting to know, like, how their lunch went. Yeah. And I think, too, like, going – because, again, like, we're we're only having Blythe's perspective and not um, Fox's. But, like, he could also just, like, yeah, there's the infidelity portion of it. But, like, also, again, like, he could be seeing stuff that we're not seeing. And he just is probably, like, shit like she's not a good mother to this baby what she's not gonna be a good mother to the next one you know like he's probably just like that's true like doesn't want to like relive all that again yeah it's very true so like another thing with that too do you remember that part in the book when sam or blythe gets up in the middle of the night and violet's in sam's room this Mm -hmm. is like kind of in the beginning um right after she gave birth to sam like, and she was, like, terrified that Violet was in there because, like, Violet obviously has these, like, violent tendencies that – She was, like, hiding like, in the is. dark. Like, it was sketchy. Yeah. Well, the thing that pissed me off about that is – so, like, Blythe took Sam into her room after that. Mm-hmm. But then, like, nothing else happened. They just all of a sudden started putting him back in the crib. I would never trust that child near Sam yeah. ever. Like, she just kind of, like, went on and, like – there was nothing else, like, mentioned about that. Yeah. And, like, I would be terrified to ever have yeah. Violet possibly be alone with him. Like, I would have Sam sleep with me every single night. Yeah, or, like, move his crib into your room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. And then, like, we'll get into, like, the the push of this book. But, like, right before that happens, Sam – or not Sam um, – Violet tells Blythe that she doesn't want Sam exactly. anymore. Exactly. <laughs> And that's still – that happened a while before the push even happened. Yeah. 
like how could you like let this kid be alone ever like i mean the fact that she saw violet push this kid off of the playground or like she's fairly certain that she did and then when she says i don't want sam anymore like all of your red flags should go up in that moment i think like again we don't know if blythe is like unreliable but I would, no matter what my husband said, if I know what I saw, that child would be getting help immediately. Yeah. Like, if my husband disagreed, you're going to have to, like, like, therapy doesn't hurt anyone. Like, you know. Like, yeah. Like, it's not going to traumatize child. her. Exactly. If anything, it'll do the opposite. Exactly. Get the child help. Like. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Should we get into the push? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the obvious push in this book. So. Um, one day Blythe is on a walk with, um, Sam in the stroller and then Violet alongside her. They go to a coffee shop and Blythe gets like a, a hot tea to take while they're like strolling around. And while they're waiting at a stoplight, um, Blythe like reaches up to like drink her hot tea and Violet like bumps her arm kind of, and she like kind of spills it on herself and then she swears that she sees Violet, like her little pink mittens, like go on the stroller and push Sam out onto the like oncoming traffic. Yeah, it wasn't a bump though. She like pulled her arm because like a bump could be like accident. I think she like grabbed oh, her yeah, arm. Oh, yeah, yeah. She did kind of grab her. It was yeah. like mommy or something. And then she was like all distracted. She's got hot tea like scalding her. On her face. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. And then Sam's stroller goes onto the road and road and he's killed instantly yeah and like Blythe is like going through her head like how this could have happened and like there's like a lip on like the curb yeah where like the stroller would have stopped because like she has issues getting that stroller over that like bump on the side of the the curb so Mm -hmm. and she so like that convinces her more that he was pushed but yeah like because it couldn't have just rolled like there was something like kind of stopping him from just like moving Mm -hmm. um and then, like, later on in the book, she – because she never really gets over this, but, like, she is going on that, like, same walk, like, later on, and there isn't a lip there anymore. Like – Oh, really? Yeah. Like, that's at the very end of the book, but – um, yeah, so then she's kind that. of, like, starting to second-guess herself, and then yeah. that's, again, going back to, like, is Blythe a reliable narrator? Yeah, okay. Like, was that there, makes sense. But so she swears there was a lip there, or there, she – thought there actually was like in the moment and there was mm-hmm. but then there isn't anymore so it's like Weird. did they smooth it out why why did that happen did they redo the sidewalks or something like what's yeah. going on here but weird anyway just wanted to like mention that while we're like on the topic but um yeah so sam's killed she's like crushed like life is never the same after this moment she mm-hmm. doesn't even like She's so angry about what she saw that she doesn't even bother to, like, protect Violet at all. Like, she just tells the police and Fox, like, I saw Violet push Sam. Exactly. And they're like, oh, you're grieving. Like, you didn't really see that. Like, they gaslight her. Again, perfect word for this book. But, like, they just don't, like, really believe anything that she's trying to say. And they just think that she's, like, seeing things because she's so, like, distraught. Which pisses me off because I feel like – this could just be me, like, being too much of a feminist. But, like, if a man said that, I feel like they would be believed more than the woman. That's very true. I Do can... you kind of, like, feel like that? Um, I guess Especially because the police officers were men, too. Like, yeah. I feel like they would have taken her more seriously if, like, Fox would have said that. 
I think there is definitely like that stereotype of like women are like overly dramatic. Yeah. So exactly. I could see where you're coming from with that. I guess like when I read this, I didn't go to like the like the gender thought, but like, I didn't either. Just I just, just came of that right now. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Like, because people just think women are so like overreactive and irrational. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see how they would like kind of poo-poo like her story. <laughs> yeah. Is that, <laughs> is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she's wrecked. Um, understandably so. And she doesn't, she talks a little bit about how Fox and like her in-laws are grieving, but she, because she's a narrator and she's going through it firsthand, like we mostly hear about how she is dealing with it, which is not well. Like Mm -hmm. she has this moment where she like cuts her stomach with a knife. Like she like bleeds and she's like rubbing blood all over herself. Like she's just really like going through it basically like she says she wants to like feel what it's like to like go through a death or like to be injured because she's just like so upset about it happening to Sam that she's like I need to feel like this pain like it's it's just really sad Mm -hmm. um and like Fox knows she's not doing well with it like she's completely removed from like her motherhood duties at this point to Violet like She's still angry at Violet. She thinks she did it. Like, she's not even going to bother to, like, try to be a mom at this point. And also, like, she is grieving. So there's that part, too. Like, she's just not present. Yeah. Emotionally. Um. So then she, she goes to this, like, wellness retreat or, like, rehab or something for, like, her grief. Um. They, like, recommend that she should stay there, like, long term. But she's like, no, nah, I want to go home. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that really does, like, a whole lot for her. Well, remember that weird scene, like, right before she, like, left where she, like, went into, like, the river or something, like, naked? Oh, maybe I remember that. Yeah. I'm trying to think And people back. thought she was, like, that's kind of, like, how it goes into, like, how she could be unreliable with everything because, yeah, she kind of just, like, had a moment where she, like, went, she, like, took like off all her clothes in front of everyone kinda. and went into, like, the river. And then everyone, like, found her, like, naked. Oh, I must have zoned out during that part. <laughs> yeah. I've read this twice. I don't remember that. But um, if that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like not well. And then she starts like going to – maybe she just goes one time, but she goes to like this group therapy for parents that have like children that have committed crimes. Mm-hmm. And she talks about like her daughter as if she's like older and says yeah. that her daughter like stole something because – she doesn't want to, like, go in there and be like, my daughter's a murderer and, like, she's, I don't know, six or whatever, like, eight. Like, I can't remember how old she was when she did that. But she's, like, kind of lying to these people, like, what really happened. I don't know if she's just trying to, like, find a way to relate to somebody that has, like, a similar situation. But um, that doesn't – that therapy session doesn't do much for her, really. Yeah. Because she's not being honest, first of all. So how can you exactly get through something if you're not, like, addressing your – what situation you really are in exactly so yeah i don't know um yeah so um blith like at this point starts to notice like like changes in fox's behavior Mm -hmm. um fox tells blith that he resigned from his job so he can have like more creative freedom um and she like he like left his computer on like the coffee table or something and she started snooping through his emails and she sees that he was actually fired due to an hr incident with another woman mm-hmm. and that just like immediately like brought me back to the assistant Gemma 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Because, um, like, around this time, too, like, he was, like, staying out really, really late. He was, yeah. like, going on runs. So he was, like, taking care of himself way more than normal, which. Instant, like, red flag about that, too. Like, yeah. And he's, like, dressing nice, Dressing up for a night. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, not surprised when this happens, but yeah, she just like crawls into Violet's bed and like cries because mm-hmm. she's like, you know, that's horrible to have to realize that that's happening in your marriage. Exactly. Um. So she confronts him about it, and he tells her that he isn't seeing the woman anymore. Um, but he still is having like weird behavior in the weeks following, and. Uh, Blythe kind of like knows that he's like still with the woman. Yeah. She just kind of like turns like a blind eye to it. Like she doesn't. I don't think she cares anymore. Yeah. I think she's just so over everything. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. She's just yes. kind of coexisting. Yeah, exactly. Um, Do you think Sam's death killed their marriage or do you think they were having like issues before? I think they were having issues before. I mean, Going back to, like, how he goes out to eat with, like, the receptionist yep, and Violet. Like, before. Yeah, and he's spending, like, you know, long days at the office, like, spending all this time with, like, his receptionist. Like, I definitely think he either started, like, his affair with her before Sam or was, like, definitely thinking about it. I don't think that Sam's death, like, was the reason that he had an affair. I think it certainly didn't help, like, right? Like, Blythe's not even present like emotionally in their relationship or isn't present for Violet. Like I think it's probably a nail in the coffin, but I don't think it's like the reason why he took that step. Yeah. And also too, like they say that like if there's like the death of a child, like like tears apart marriages. So like That's you what really the doctors have- told them. Yep. And it's actually like a known like thing. So like you have to really work on like yeah. Like going to therapy and like just you have to try extra, extra hard to keep that relationship intact. Yeah. And sometimes it's just inevitable. Like it just won't, it doesn't work, which is so sad and scary. Yeah. But back to like to why Fox is such like a piece of shit is like <laughs> when he sends like Blythe off to this wellness retreat and stuff, like I'm pretty sure we were like, I don't know if you felt this way, but like I was thinking that like he's just trying to get rid of her. So mm-hmm. he can, like, continue with his, like, infidelity. Yeah. And in that scenario, they should have been, like you said, going to therapy. They should have been dealing with it as a family. And he was just kind of pushing her aside, like, you need to deal with your shit, like, away from our home. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, not, like, shitting on therapy or, like, going to rehab or anything. But, like, it just didn't seem like something she should have had to go through alone. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Yeah, so they separate. I don't know if we said that, but it doesn't last. They can't keep up their, like, fake marriage any longer, and he moves out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, like, have um, 50-50 custody mm-hmm. over Violet. Yeah, and Blythe's, like, fine with that. She's, like... I was so... Like, because she doesn't have... She doesn't even really want to have a relationship with Violet at this point. So I was just kind of, like... Yeah, after Sam's death, 50/50? she's just... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Probably, though, because, like, she still, like, goes through the motions of being a mother. Like, exactly. And I wanted to bring this up, too, at, like, the end. But since we're, like, on the topic, like, such a huge difference between, like, her grandmother and her mother. Like, they never even tried to have a relationship with their children. 
But like, even though Blythe, like, or Blythe, even she like knows how Violet is, and like Violet's like scary to be around, and yeah. she has like these violent tendencies, and she's probably a sociopath. Like, she still tries. She tries yeah. hard. She does to try. still develop this connection, and mm-hmm. she like doesn't give up, which I think she definitely is like trying to break the cycle with that. And I think she, in a sense, has. But like Violet just doesn't want yeah. this relationship with her mother yeah I think we probably should have reiterated that more is like even though we're kind of like she's not present like she's still like trying going through the motions yeah she wants to be a good mom mm-hmm. it's just there's like this kind of overarching question through the whole thing is like are we really getting the whole story but, but to be fair though like everything that she's done except the two-hour crying incident and yeah. the um the binky one is like a little it's, it's I think that's fine. But like she is a good mom in yeah. a sense. Like she's trying. Yeah. Like that's all that matters is that you're trying, you know? Right. And like she tries to like comfort her in her bed. She tries to like lay with her. She tries to like rub her head like rub her hair and like brush her hair and like she's like trying to have this relationship. Yeah. Like with like these intimate, like Yeah. It's I don't know. I feel like from the start, like, Violet's never wanted it. No. I agree with She doesn't that. want anything to do with Blythe, ever. But why? That's the thing. And know? there's, like, at one point, too, like, this is, like, when um, Blythe and Fox were still together. I can't remember when it happens, but, like, I think Blythe hears Violet tell Fox that she doesn't want, like, Blythe as her mom anymore. Oh, she so, says like, it a lot, I think. Yeah, and then yeah. he's just like, don't say that, that's your mother. And it's like... Again, like I would hope my husband would be angry about that. Like you exactly. don't you don't say that about your mom. Yeah. No ma- no matter how young you are, that's not okay. Like you have to, you know, there has to be consequences for saying shit like that. Okay. And he doesn't even but bother like, to like mend the relationship. What if like Blythe said that though to her to her dad about Cecilia? Would you think that that's okay? Oh, that's a little different. Yeah. So I think like in some instances, like I mean, I think still like as a parent, you should be like, don't say that about your mom. But like, that's a little bit different because she was being abused. But why can't she express her feelings? But Cecilia can just because she's a child. I don't think that's like fair that she can't express her feelings that she doesn't want to be in her mom's life. Because Cecilia obviously showed her that she didn't want anything to do with Blythe. Yeah, so I mean, like, that's different, right? Like, there's abuse happening here and stuff, and, like, yeah. those are valid fear- feelings if you don't feel safe around somebody and, like, you don't want to live under the same roof as somebody that slaps you and, like, verbally abuses you. Like, that's understandable. I it's, was just countering when you said, like, I don't think it's it's fine that any child should, like, well, say that. Well, <laughs> I, I just – more so, like, I think as, like, a parent, if you hear your child say that about the other parent, like – you should probably be like, don't say that, you know? Like, do you think Seb, like, her dad should have been like, oh, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> no, I think Seb should have taken her out of the situation. Yeah, yeah, not Not trying to force that relationship to happen when obviously it's not going to. Yeah. Um, so I think he should have taken her out of that situation, like, way before that. Yeah, they should have never been in that position for that long to begin with. Um, yeah, for that to even be, like, a thought on the child's mind. Yeah. Like... It shouldn't have gotten to that point. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't think that Fox handled that very well. Mm-mm. He's just never been there for Blythe. They've never been a nope. team. Not once. So I can't remember. Do we get into Violet tells Blythe that Fox and the other woman are living together? Yeah. So they're living together. Um, 
oh yeah, because we were going into that. They have 50-50 custody. So mm-hmm. I think Blythe gets her on the weekends and then Fox has her during the week or something like that. Um, but Blythe wants to kind of get to know Gemma. Mm-hmm. And so she like spies on her and they go to like this woman or this mother's group or something. And she like undercover, she's undercover and like befriends Gemma as like a different like identity. Yeah. And, um, which is a little crazy. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I was like, oh my God. This yeah. Woman. Yeah. She like wears a wig to these like mom group events and then they this happens for a full year that they pretend like she pretends to be friends with Gemma. Yeah. And there's kind of two things that she's gaining out of this situation where she's learning more about Fox and Gemma's like new relationship. She learns that they got pregnant like when she was still with Fox. Like around the time that he was fired from his job is when Gemma got pregnant. And so like when they were still living together for like three months, Gemma was like pregnant with his baby like around that time. And then he like they separated, he left and moved in with Gemma or like they got a place together. Mm-hmm. And so she like finds out that Gemma has like a young boy named Jet. Um, so she's like getting all this information about their new life together. And like Gemma like gushes about how great like Fox is and everything. And then the other thing that Blythe is getting out of the situation is she gets to like live in this fantasy world where she has a son that's alive because she tells Gemma like oh I have a four-year-old boy named Sam which I was thought it was kind of odd that she used like his real name because like such a common name yeah that's true (laughs) it didn't like disclose anything but like exactly um yeah she gets to like hang out with Gemma and pretend like she has this son like that's the age that Sam would have been if he had lived and so she's like getting this kind of like fake like fantasy world out of it yeah I think that was like the most addicting part of it for her she just wanted Sam to be alive and also like we mentioned earlier she doesn't have friends or family so she was like really enjoying that relationship with Gemma even though it was kind of based on yeah they had like a, a real friendship despite that she was lying to her the entire time exactly yeah and she's never, like, really had that. So I think that yeah, that's why she just kind of kept it going. Yeah, and she never, like, really says anything bad about Gemma. Like, she's not, like, pretending to be Gemma's friend and then goes home and is, like, I fucking hate that bitch. Like, she she's, stole my husband. Yeah, yeah, like, she's, like, talking about how Gemma, like, is a like, captivating person. Like, how she's always, like, putting her hands on people when she's talking to them, like, very lovingly and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so... It's kind of interesting how Blythe doesn't hate her. Yeah. She almost wants to be friends with her. Like it's – Exactly. It's odd. Yeah. Um, Not healthy at all to be going through this like ruse. Yeah. So Blythe – Blythe – I'm always going to say Blythe. (laughs) Blythe, um, her identity gets discovered when um, Gemma has her meet Fox after the mom group one Mm -hmm. evening. And Fox doesn't, like, give it away, but he's, like, kind of, like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, he, like, gets all, like, standoffish and, like, rude almost. And then mm-hmm. Gemma is kind of, like, uncomfortable because she's, like, why is my husband, like, behaving like this to this woman I'm introducing him to? And then Blythe, like, literally runs. Yeah. <laughs> like, she just, like, books it out of there. And, like, we know for sure, like, he told Gemma about it, like, yeah, probably that night. For sure. Yeah, so weeks later, Gemma um, wants to talk to Blythe, and Blythe tells her, like, everything that happened with Sam, 
um, and Gemma and Violet too. Like I think she like kind of told her what yeah, she, she didn't did. like lie to her or like sugarcoat it at all. She's like, this is exactly what I saw when yeah. Sam died. Exactly. And yeah, Gemma just like walks away. She doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. But similar things start to happen in Gemma's household because yeah. they just had a baby Jet. Yeah. And so, yeah, things are happening between Violet and Jet. Yeah, which, like, Gemma at first kind of, like, blames Blythe for because there's, like, the first incident where Gemma, like, finds Jet playing in their laundry room with one of those, like, exacto knives that um, the husband uses Mm because he's an architect to, like, make his models. He uses these, like, little sharp knives to, like, build them. Yeah. Um, And so we know that, like, Violet snuck into... Blythe's bedroom one night and like took it out of a drawer I think like Blythe must have taken it at some point from her or like hid it from Fox because she didn't want them out in the house like for the kids to find yeah and so like Violet steals it from the house and then like gives it to Jet and then Gemma calls Blythe and is like I found this in my house I don't let Fox keep them here so like Violet took it from your house and brought it here like you need to be more careful was like mm-hmm. blaming Blythe for it like yeah yeah but like Violet's old enough to know like that's not okay at this point yeah it's like why wouldn't you punish her for giving it to Jet in the first place yeah exactly so um, yeah I don't know that was handled pretty poorly um but then kind of it, the book kind of wraps up and we're back to this moment where like Blythe is watching them through the window again and she sees, like, Violet get up against the window and, like, make eye contact with her. And she mouths, I pushed him. Over and over again. Yeah. And then I think, like, Blythe's, like, what was that? Like, she, like, gets back closer to, her to the window. And-, and Violet just, like, demon child, like, looks at her and, like, walks away. Yeah. Do you think she actually mouthed that? Or do you think, like, Blythe just thinks that's what she saw? No, she did it. She mouthed so. it. <laughs> do you? Um... We'll just, yeah, we'll have to get into, like, if we feel like Blythe's a reliable main character or not, right? But, like, um, I believe that that's what Blythe thinks she saw. Okay. But I'm, we'll get into it. I'm so torn if if that's really happening or not, but, like. Oh, I definitely am, like, 100% positive. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then the very, very last thing that really happens with this book is, like, a year and a half goes by. Blythe, like, gets her shit together. She's, like, Mm -hmm. going to therapy. She's finding healing from, like, her situation. Um, She's, like, meditating and eating salad, like, in her free time. Um, It just seems like she's doing a lot better. She's getting, like, the help that she really needed. Um, But then she gets a phone call from Gemma, and she's, like, crying and frantic. And she tells Blythe that, like, something happened to Jet, and then the book ends. Yeah. So I think Blythe is reliable just because like we're we're inside her head. Yeah. And like everything that she's seen. Mm-hmm. Like I don't is it told from a perspective where she's like telling a story or is it like things going through her head? Like, you know, like it's if it's like things going through her head, then I believe she's like reliable. But yeah. if it's like her like cuz like in the beginning of the book, it was like her like talking to her husband in a sense and yeah. that kind of changed. But like it's like everything going on in her head. Too, well, you know, do you like think that her – so every time she's talking in the book, she's talking to Fox. So do you think that this whole book was like her letter to him? 
because when it skips forward to like a year and a half later, it's not in second person point of view anymore. It's like she answered the call from Gemma. It's not I answered the call from Gemma. Yeah, I can't remember. So I was just like one I was kind of thinking that throughout the book that like this book was like quote unquote like her letter to Gemma and Fox to tell her a side of the story. Okay, maybe. I guess I didn't really like catch that. That's just I don't yeah. think it's like super super obvious, but that's kind of like where my head was at cuz like the last 2 minutes of the book she's like not narrating it anymore. It's like somebody else is narrating like her picking up the phone. Mhm. Um so yeah, let's kind of get into like what you started mentioning is like in your opinion like do you think like she's a reliable main character or do you think like Violet's actually like a real threat to society? I think the only mental illness that she had was postpartum depression. Yeah. And that obviously went away when she had Sam. Yeah. But then when Sam died, she I think got depressed again, but I don't necessarily like I don't necessarily think that depression makes you unreliable like an unreliable source. That's kind of saying like if you have depression, nothing you say is like real. Yeah. And I I don't agree with that. Um, so I do think she's reliable and I think Violet is a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. So I agree with you. I well, like both times I read this book, I was like, yeah, she has postpartum. Like she's obviously dealing with like a lot of trauma from her own past. And I do think that Violet really did those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the author is trying to make you really think hard about it. And that's why oh, we like, sure. we needed to discuss this is like, the whole time, like, especially reading it the second time around, I was, like, thinking about it a little bit more, just, like, okay, like, what if she's actually unreliable? Like, yeah, that exists out there in the story, like, where you wonder that. Mm -hmm. But personally, I agree with you. I think, like, Violet is a sociopath. Like, she is, like, demon child. Like, Blythe has moments where maybe she sh- she shouldn't have behaved a certain way, like with you know, like we keep going back to like the how Violet screamed for like over two hours. But like overall, like I don't, I don't think she's a bad mom, and like I think that Violet actually really did do these things. I just think that the author is trying to create this big question in our heads of like, is Blythe like mentally ill or not? Yeah, and I think, like, the author confirms that with you at the end, that she's a reliable source by three things. Like, one, when Violet said that she was melding that she pushed him. Mm-hmm. Two, when Fox starts to talk about his what he saw with Violet and her cutting out the clothes. And then three, like, when Gemma calls and says that something happened to Jet. I think those are, like, three times where it's, like, really, like, yeah, Violet is... Yeah, I think the the call from Gemma is really, like, what solidifies that theory. Like, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Because it's outside perspectives on, like, what they saw with Violet. Yeah. And do you think, like – so, like, it kind of mentions it in the book. Do you think that Fox's mother noticed anything? Because she kind of acted weird about Violet at some points in the book. Mm-hmm. But, like, didn't really want to, like, admit it. Like, do you think yeah. that she saw anything with Violet? Because I know um, Blythe questioned that too. Yeah. I think like especially with like the bathtub moment where she saw like Violet like act very violently towards Blythe when she bit her and stuff. I, I definitely think she was like that's not normal. Like yeah. this this relationship they have. But I was a little bit sketched out by the mother-in-law because she just like – she acted like – all trustworthy to Blythe, but then every time, like, Blythe would try to confide in her, like, she would tell Fox, 
So then it was just kind of like, do we love the mother-in-law? Like, because she's not really like, she's not really somebody that Blythe can truly confide in, right? Because she's yeah. just taking everything that Blythe's telling her and is like, make like reiterating it to Fox and is like, they're talking about her behind her back. Like, oh, she's not well. Like, they're kind of insinuating that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it comes from a, a good place. Like, maybe she's genuinely concerned for Blythe. But, like, they never try to help her. So that's why I feel like it's kind of, like, malicious a little bit. Yeah. Well, they tried to help her once. And that was with the night nurse. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to, like, is Violet a real threat to society? Yes. I think she is. It's kind of obvious that she's a sociopath. And, like, I kind of did some research on that. Like, what makes a sociopath a sociopath? And, like, are they, like, born with that? Or are they created? And, like, from the research that I've done – a lot of it is said that they're, like, created by, like, trauma and abuse and everything. So, like, that kind of goes into the fact, like, okay, so did Blythe go wrong in early childhood? Like, what trauma? And, like, that I think that also, like, brings up the point, like, is she a reliable source? Because, like, are we – is she not including stuff that actually happens? Like, it, I think yeah. this would confirm it more if, yeah, we did have Fox's perspective on it. Mm-hmm. But, like, what other trauma did Violet go through? And it had to have been such early childhood because she's kind of been terrible yeah. since a toddler. So, like, was it one of the ins- like the instant instance when she didn't get like any nurturing when she was just crying? Yeah. Like, was that part of it too? Like, it's just yeah. So, like, if a sociopath is created, like something had to have gone wrong. Like, she had to have experienced some kind of trauma, and I guess that that would be a form of trauma. Like the postpartum like inadvertently like affected Violet as well like just the lack of relationship but we don't yeah I mean we don't really see like any besides like being left to cry for so long like anything that like like any trauma yeah that she experienced yeah it's like even though she was going through all those emotions like she was still trying really hard to like be the mother that she needed to be to Violet like she really tried to like have a relationship with her and stuff I know it's just like a big question mark but um yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, back to like how we're, we learn that like Violet really is like a threat to society with like the phone call from Gemma and how that wasn't in second person point of view. So like that's not like Violet or that's not um, Blythe being like an unreliable main character, like telling us that that happened and like she could have mm-hmm. been like hallucinating it or something. She doesn't because that that actually happened. That was like third person point of view. Yeah. So that's real. And there's, like, this point in the book where um, Violet is, like, downstairs in the basement with Blythe of their house. And she sees, like, a big thing of bleach. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, why do you have that around the house? Like, that's a, so dangerous. And so, like, we never learned what happened to Jet, like, if he's okay or not. But, like, I'm fairly certain that, like, Violet, like, gave him bleach. Yeah, that's a good point because nothing ever happened with the bleach after that. Yeah. And, like, they made it, like, a very, like – it was like an obvious yeah, conversation obvious, that you that exactly had. yeah mm-hmm. yeah I agree with that I hope he's okay I, know. I mean this isn't real this is I a book know. but like yeah give us a sequel mm-hmm. um we were kind of all over the place with that conversation but it's just kind of driving home like this book really makes you think like what's going on here yeah exactly yeah so a lot of horrible things happen in the book um what kind of feelings did you have like while reading it um so. Like I said, I read this book twice. I The first time I read it, I 
cranked through the whole thing in one night. Like I started at 9 p.m. on like a Saturday and just like didn't put it down because this book is like very fast to read. Like every other page is literally a new chapter. Yeah. And so I flew through it the entire time I was uncomfortable. Like because not only are all these like horrible things happening, like young children are being murdered, like there's infidelity, like it's just like a mother's worst nightmare is exactly how I would describe this book. Like you lose your husband, you lose one of your children, your other child's like a sociopath. Like this is every every mom's worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. So I was very uncomfortable. Even like the writing style makes you uncomfortable because everything that the author has Blythe describe is like very gruesome. Like she always talks about like her body in such like a not like a morbid way, but she, it's not, it's very unflattering Every everything that she describes. Like she's like, my nipples after breastfeeding look like ground hamburger meat. Like even though that's like yeah. true, it's still like uncomfortable to read. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'd feel a little bit differently about it if I was a mother and like had gone through breastfeeding and everything. But like that's just one example of like the many ways that Blythe describes stuff in this book. It's just like you're meant to be uncomfortable reading this. So – when I finished it, like, that first time, I was, like, laying in bed. I was, like, oh, like, that was a heavy book. And I was, like, I don't know if I liked that. And then the next day, I, like, thought about it. And I was, like, holy cow, like, that was a really good book. So long story short, like, I was very uncomfortable, but I appreciated, like, the writing. Yeah. What about you? How did it, like, how did this book make you feel? Um, I kind of agree with a lot of what you said, like, reading it made you very uncomfortable um it kind of makes you like because we're not mothers mm -hmm. like we don't have any children but like it makes you like kind of scared because yeah. <laughs> we don't know what to expect we don't know what it's like and I think that's really scary like reading it because it's like oh shit is that gonna happen to me yeah like, but yeah yeah, it was it was uncomfortable at times. <laughs> yeah, and that was she was the author was trying to do that. This book was meant to make you like yeah. cringe the whole way through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so like looking at the cover of the book, like what do you think that's alluding to? So that yeah, that's such a good question. Like the front of it, it's like ink splotches where it's meant to look like one of those images like when you go to a, a therapist's office and they're like, what do you see? So like the obvious part of it is like the two faces, right? That are like – They're mirroring yeah, each other. Yeah, they're mirroring each other. And like you and I kind of talked about this a little bit before how like it kind of looks like maybe it's like two moms. Like and it's kind of going back to that question of like is history repeating itself with her – role mm -hmm. as a mother versus like how her mom and then her grandma was as a mom. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking. The other thing too that is interesting is do you think like the part at the top like in between the two heads looks like a uterus and like fallopian tubes? Oh yeah. Kind of. Yeah like this part right here like the space. Yeah. Yep. It looks like kind of like vagina like uterus tubes like that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't Isn't notice it? that before, but yeah, it does. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. This book just making us think. Yeah. So the title is The Push. Um, do you think that's just referring to like Sam's 
horrific accident or do you think there's other points in the book that could have been like a push? Yeah, I think I think there was a push to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think she was against it. We talked about that earlier, but I de- I definitely think like Fox kind of pushed her maybe not into being a mom totally, but to being like a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Um what else? What do you think? What like what pushes? I have a list. Think? Oh, you do? Okay, you you go and I'll see if I can think of anything else. Yeah. So um obviously like the most obvious one is the literal like pushing of the yep. stroller. Um, like you kind of said too, the push of like motherhood and like the social conditioning of like what defines a mother. Like mm-hmm. that's a push. Um and Fox like pushing Blith to let Blythe <laughs> to form this relationship with Violet. Like Every time she's, like, admitting that, like, she, Violet isn't, like, like, conforming to her. Yeah. That's not the right word. But, like, isn't, like, taking to Blythe. Like, he's just, like, pushing her, like, no, it, like, it will, it will come. Like, the bond will be there. Just keep trying. Like, um, and then the push of both babies like coming out of her like giving birth oh like, that's yeah like, yeah 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 especially going back to the cover of the book with like the whole yeah kind of like it's pregnancy aspect yeah. yeah yeah and then this one's just kind of like a little added one but like Violet is constantly pushing her mother's buttons all the time <laughs> like she yeah, is just true. pushing her to the edge like to her limit mm-hmm. all the time and yeah. like she like th- like Violet thrives off of making Blith Blythe. <laughs> I said Blith in my head the whole time reading this. That's okay. But she's like constantly like she she thrives off of making Blythe uncomfortable. Yeah, she's always like waiting to get a reaction out of her. Exactly. So yeah, that's all I have for that. No, nope, that's good. Add. I think you got pretty much all of them. I, if there's other ones, I can't think of them. So honestly, a lot of things in this book could be like. You could, yeah, argue that. Yeah, as it's like a push. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was a lot. We unpacked that whole book. Yeah. What are your, like, final thoughts on it? Did you like this book? So going with my reading, too, when I first read it, I gave it a two. I was just like – Yeah, you texted me. You're like, I didn't like it. I didn't because I just thought it was so predictable of what would happen. Um. And it just, at times it was like boring to read, but like after talking about it and like really like diving into it and like getting into like the deep hidden meanings with it, I would probably bump it up to like a 3.5. Okay. From a two. Yeah. Yeah. So at first I didn't like it. Now it's like after like uncovering all these hidden meanings and like actually having time to like think it through and like talk about it with you. Um, I think, yeah, there's... It it's not as boring as it may have seemed while reading it. Yeah, it's fun to not maybe fun's not the right not word to, fun to talk about, but it's interesting. It's to interesting talk to talk about. Yes. Yeah. What about you? Um, like I said, the first time I read it, like that night when I finished it, I was like, ooh, like that was rough reading that. Like I mm-hmm. none of that was very enjoyable to read, but then and now, like I realized like how well this book is written, like how the author really like puts you through a journey yeah. of like your feelings of being uncomfortable, all the horrible things that happen, how it just really makes you like dive deep into these characters and like 
just really analyzing Blythe, like I give it a five. I did then, I do now because it's just like so well crafted this book that I appreciate it. Is it enjoyable to read? Not necessarily all the <laughs> time, but I couldn't put it down. It put me through so much. Like I appreciate everything that this book is. So yeah. Yeah. Five. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a lot to unpack. Um, have you read anything else recently? I just finished listening to Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. So she used to be a columnist. Have you ever heard of Dear Sugar? Mm-mm. So it was like an advice column that like people could write to or email her like questions and she'd like give advice. And okay. so it was like featured in I can't, I can't remember if it was like a newspaper magazine or online or something. But um, so this book is a, like a compilation of a bunch of like people that have reached out to her for things and like her response. Okay. So the entire thing is like just reading like these advice columns oh, nice. that she wrote. So I listened to it and it was really nice to listen to because I don't think I could like sit down and like read that book all the way through. Like you'd have to definitely be like in the mood for that sort of thing. However, I have a friend that's reading it right now, and she was saying that she, like, kind of reads, like, one a night. So it's kind of more of, like, that kind of book. It's not, like, a binge book. It's, like, a get something out of it, like, yeah. every once in a while. Um, it was super interesting because, like, some of the things that these people are doing, I was like, holy shit, like, the tea. <laughs> but then other times, like, it made me want to cry because, like, there was one where people were writing about, like, losing, like, a loved one and stuff. And, like, that's always, like, tough to read about. Um, and then there was, like, a part – where she gets asked, like, by this woman, like, I'm in my 20s. Like, what would you tell yourself, like, in your 20s? And then she goes into, like, all this thing, all these things. So there was, like, a lot of a lot of moments in this book where I just felt very validated and felt, like, very, like, seen. And then other times I was, like, again, like, ooh, the tea. Yeah. Um. So it was just really interesting. And she has kind of, like, unconventional ways of, like, um, giving people advice where it's not so straight and narrow. Like she's pretty understanding and progressive about stuff. So it's just like, it was really interesting. Like her responses that she gave these people. Mm -hmm. The one thing that really stuck with me is she was like, oh my God, I'm going to botch it. How, How did she say it? But like when she was asked, like, what would she tell her 20 year old self? She said like, love moves freely in both directions or flows freely in both directions. And, like, that just really stuck with me because that's something that I learned, like, going through, like, relationships, like, in my early 20s or, like, even in high school. Like, that's so true. Like, you really find, like, the person you're meant to be with when it's easy. Yeah. Where, like, you care about them so much. Like, they care about you. Like, you don't – nobody's forcing anything on the other or, like, you're not sitting there, like, wondering, like, oh, does he like me? Doesn't he like me? Like he does, you know what I mean? Like that's something I learned with like my husband and why we're married. Like Mm -hmm. love moved freely in both directions. Like that's just such a good way to put it. And so, sorry, that was kind of a long winded answer. No, that's okay. I want to read it. Well, here's the thing too, is that on April 7th, the Hulu series comes out on it. Oh, really? And it stars Catherine Hahn, who I love. Like, do you know who that is? She's an Mm -hmm. actress. You know, Step Brothers? Yeah. The movie Step Brothers, where she's like, there's that one um, wife where she's like, I want to roll you up into a tiny ball and stick you in my vagina. Oh, yeah. That's, that's her. her. Oh, gosh. That's <laughs> she's so just such a great actress because she's so funny. But like, this is obviously going to be a more like serious role. Yeah. I don't know how the series is going to go because it's based on the book and the book is just a bunch of advice. But like, I think it's more about like her life. 
because mm-hmm. like she went through a lot in her life too, which is I think why she's able to like give such good advice on things. But anyway, we should we should watch it and talk about it. Maybe. Yeah, but for like, sure. Yeah, I um, want to read it. I think first before I watch you it, you would really like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that. that was a lot. I just ranted, but no, that's okay. It's I mean, like that's really interesting. Uh, five stars. Nice. It was good. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to add that to TBR. Yeah. Have you read anything recently? No, but <laughs> this sweet little soul over here bought me um to well the Crescent City series for my yeah. birthday so I'm gonna start that tonight thank you so much I love you you're welcome I love you I'm so excited for you to read those books I They're was so, so good. shocked you didn't have to get me anything yes I did oh and the gosh. bookmark yes the bookmark too is literally my favorite <laughs> it's so cute it's Akatar themed yeah I don't it doesn't spoil Akatar for people if we tell them what the yeah, bookmark I think says. so okay. I don't think we should say Sorry. but we can like we can tell them um if we when we talk about Akatar on the yeah. podcast after the second book, we can okay. display the bookmark. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's pretty much it for us today. Um, thank you for listening or watching if you're on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, please subscribe, hit the thumbs up button, leave some comments down below if you want to continue this conversation. There's, like I said earlier, like we said earlier, there was so much to unpack with this book. So we'd love to hear your thoughts after reading it Mm -hmm. um go check out our social media to get the drink recipe and yeah again i am Paige, and i'm emily and next week we're reading the queen of nothing yep by holly black yeah the third book in the folk of the year series yep the last one so Mm -hmm. we will wrap that series up and move on yeah we'll start letting you know what we're going to be reading next so going into the summer all right well thank you for hanging out with us in the literary lounge and we'll See you next week. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye.